September. It's time for spooks. Also, it's nice and chilled out. Yes, and it's going to be like forever. <laughs> I mean, hopefully this cozy chill. I'm not ready for winter chill. This is perfect. Although I'm almost ready for winter chill. The other day I was like, man, I can't wait for the first snow day so I can get drunk on wine and watch an entire, like, binge an entire show on Netflix. Oh, that'd be great. Because that's what I always do when there's a snow day. Yeah. I'm like, well, can't go anywhere because I'm going to get drunk on wine. Like, now is the time of the season where it's the time of the, the no, season no. for of spooking. <laughs> of being stocked up on wine at all times. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's, it's mead season, it's mm. wine season. Mm. I'm all about it. Yeah. Mold cider season. Like I'm slowly going, I'm slowly like drifting away from my love of sours and like looking at some of the stouts. Yeah. I'm like that meme with the dude who's walking with his girlfriend and he turns and looks at the <laughs> other thing, but like it's me and then I'm holding hands with sour beers, but I'm looking at stouts. I'm like, ooh. ooh. And sour's like, ah. <laughs> I was like, baby, you know, you know, this is a temporary love. Like, I'm already yeah. balls deep in my pumpkin love. I don't give a fuck. Oh, yeah. Give a but fuck. also, like, fuck pumpkin spice lattes. I don't give a shit. They're delicious. You know what? Call me a fucking chug, which sounds <laughs> really offensive. It does. That is a really offensive sounding But word. I, I will be as chuggy as I feel like, and I don't give yeah. a fuck. What are you going to do? You mad at me because I had a pumpkin spice latte. I'll go get my pumpkin coffee and my pumpkin cider and my cider donut. Oh, fuck. And my yeah. chevron dress and my Ugg boots. Oh, see, I don't like chevron, so I can walk away from that. It's, if it's well deployed, I'm okay with it. I'm not saying, you know, chevron works for you. It just doesn't work for me. Yeah. That's fine. Fair enough. It's not the greatest pattern in the world, so... This might be the chuggiest conversation we've ever had. <laughs> well, chug it up, baby. I'm here for it. <laughs> Welcome to fall season, chuggy season. Chuggy edition. Welcome to rock chuggy. Welcome to rock candy. Your chuggy ass weekly podcast bringing you tales and stories and rants mm. about and oh, yeah. from the world of music. Yeah, we're going to do a lot of ranting today. We're your prime ranters. I'm Maggie. I'm Ashley. And yeah, we got a got a very, we have a really educational and important and also topical but historical at the same time. It's weird. And anchor inducing? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But is there any like bright spots in the anger i mean i guess there's some bright spots yeah there at, at the end yeah i mean all all of this was not for nothing okay if that just, makes it any better yeah i'd like to go in knowing that like and like we're gonna talk about we can we can end on an upswing we're gonna talk about a lot of white supremacists that fucking get what they deserve yay so let's celebrate that we're talking about rock against racism. <laughs> Which we touched a little bit on in our polystyrene episode. We like tickled the balls of it. Yeah, we just pulled them ball hairs a little bit. Oh, ow, that sounds so painful. Just a little tug. Just a little tug. Just a little <laughs> tug. Exactly. All right. We're going to sister act montage all of this. All right. Not really. Oh. But you should talk about the beer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was ready to start talking about Sister Act <laughs> again. Again? <laughs> when are we not talking about Sister Act? I mean, Act? honestly, it's Sister Act. It's Lord of the Rings. Honestly. It's dick jokes. Yeah. Welcome to Rock Candy. Yeah. So I am drinking from 
Hold on. We're just Timber Ales. It's going down. It's Timber Jimber. It's Timber Jimbers. That's uh, not what it's called. Timber Jimber Ales. <laughs> uh, it's called People Power because power to the people. Yeah. Yeah. And they did a little thing where they have the Constitution. Is that what that is? Yes. On the label. And they crossed out all men are created equal and wrote all people, people are, created are created equal. Because why men? Yeah. Everybody is kind of, everybody should be equal. I mean, I get that that's just how they used to refer to men. So don't come at me with that one. All right. I get it. I was supposed to Whatever. refer to the human. Whatever. But. I don't care. Don't fight me. But I also thought, because you initially told me the beer was called We the People. So yeah. then all day I kept thinking, We the People bring in justice for all. <laughs> what was that from? It's a, like a lawyer group or something yes. from downstate. Uh, yeah, they're the divorce lawyers that advertise you can get a divorce for $500. Which I mean, <laughs> that's great, but like. How does that connect to We the People? I don't really understand. Bringing justice for all. <laughs> <laughs> to the divorce courtroom? To yes. family court? Okay, sure. And, and that was always the commercial that played right before the Cars for Kids commercial. Well, anyway, enough about Cars for Kids and all that fucking shit. You want to talk about some real rage-inducing bullshit from, ni- from the 1970s? I want to get angry. All right, you're going to get angry. I'm in the corner. No talk me angry. <laughs> well, I'm going to talk, so Sorry. So, it seems appropriate that right now we should talk about one of the biggest anti-racist movements in British history. Musicians have always been some of the mouthiest, using their platforms to stump for whatever cause they believe in. Mm -hmm. And in the last few years, in the US, Britain, and all around the globe, we have seen a rise in fascist discourse and politicians with extreme right leanings gaining power. But this isn't anything new. The 1970s in Great Britain saw the rise of fascist political groups, but you can bet your ass the punks weren't having it. And that's where Rock Against Racism comes in. Interesting. Yes. Because I feel that there was still some fascism with punk. Oh, yes. We'll talk about all that. Okay. Rock Against Racism was a political movement that started in 1976 in response to the fast-growing far-right political movement happening in the UK. A seriously concerning number of racist attacks were happening all over Great Britain, and especially in London, perpetrated by neo-fascists with the support of the National Front, a political party that was getting a scary amount of support amongst white Brits. Ew. Yeah. I'm uncomfortable. Oh, God. If you saw all these fucking soft white dudes that were heading up the national front like that's the only way i can describe them soft white soft and like ruddy and just sweaty and like incels you you can smell them yeah you can smell them from a mile away you can just smell them on the tv oh the movement was started by red saunders photographer and member of the um agitprop a theater group called Cartoon Clowns. Oh. So Agitprop is a portmanteau of agitation and propaganda. Oh. So they're the uh, the you know they were meant to agitate people. They were meant to make people think about shit that they didn't want to think about. In a good way or a bad way? In a good way. Okay. I'm sure like there were some people who really wanted to like 
rub things raw a little bit, I guess. Oh, that sounds uncomfortable, too. Yeah. But he would photograph punk shows and was blown away by The Clash, who was aggressively singing about alienation, poverty, and disenfranchisement. Mm -hmm. All things he and his pals could relate to, considering the times they were living in. Yep. The economic situation in Britain was pretty dire in the 1970s. Oh, yeah. They were reeling from a recession between 1973 and 1975. Inflation was sky high. Mm -hmm. Over a million people were unemployed. And strikes threatened to collapse the already shaky economy. Yeah. I talk a little bit about that in our specials episode. Yes. You should listen to that. And the specials were like kind of on the fringe of this movement. Yeah. Thanks, Margaret Thatcher. (laughs) We'll talk about her later. Oh, no. By March 1976, Prime Minister Harold Wilson called the IMF, which is the International Monetary Fund, for a nearly four billion pound bailout. IMF also insisted on wage and social security cuts, which put already desperate families and young people into even worse financial straits. Oh, that's not great. No. No. In the midst of this economic crisis, as it usually does, fear xenophobia masquerading as patriotism arose amongst Britain's population. Well, because you know why. Why? It's all the colored's faults that this is happening. Or like poor people or people living on welfare. This clearly has nothing to do with the rich people who want to stay in power. No. I'm sorry. I'm getting angry too early. It's all of these, you know, people from Pakistan and India that are coming in. With absolutely zero money. They took her gerbs. Took her gerbs. How dare they open up a convenience store and help out a community? Oi, they took my jobs. <laughs> They're fucking jobs you don't want any... Mm. Yep, yep. Already getting angry. Already getting angry. <laughs> Not even 10 minutes in. Yeah. With the help of right-wing media questioning the ethics of immigration, many white Anglo-Brits cried in frustration over the country's policies. The main issue being that anyone other than white is in their country, period. It was just straight-up racism. Ugh. Parliament members began to speak out against immigration. Some dude <laughs> named Enoch Powell in particular... Stupid. I hate that name. It's just such a white name. Powell? Like Powell. Mm. Mm. it reminds me of white power that's yes why. yes because it sounds like power yeah powell sounds like power yeah you know like some fucking white dude was like their his real last name was like owl but he was like no i need it to sound more powerful than that powell <laughs> powell Powell. Well, him in particular, who suggested people of any other persuasion besides full British go back to where they came from. If you were not a Union Jack waving, beans and toasty, and fucking Joseph Conrad loving imperialist, then he didn't want you in his country. <laughs> beans and toast. <laughs> when asked where he thought English born children of immigrants should be sent, Enoch Powell said, quote, they should go to where they wanted to go. In most cases, they are citizens of their countries of origin, which is not true. Although born in this country, their person would be physically seized and deported like a person being taken on board Her Majesty's ships of war at the end of the 18th century. Is that, is that just slave ships? Slave ships. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he basically said, put them on slave ships. Yeah. Without saying the words. And ship them off. Slave ships. Back to where they came from. 
even though they were born in Britain. Yeah. Yeah. And also, they should go to where they wanted to go. They want to stay in Britain, you piece of shit. Because they left their country for more opportunity. They didn't even leave. They were the children of parents who left the country. They were born in Britain. They don't even know what life in their original countries are like. Right. So... I am... This is a member of parliament, guys. You voted for him. (laughs) I want you to... Choices. Yeah, choices. Look at him. From this dangerous rhetoric, the National Front was born. The National Front... Which just sounds racist. Yeah. Just the name. I think they did that on purpose, I'm sure. They wanted it to sound like... I don't know. Well, we'd like everyone to know where we stand. No, I don't want any questions. Don't want anyone to wonder... No, we hate anyone who isn't white. It just sounds like something some subgroup of Nazis would call themselves. Ugh. Which is essentially what these people are. They're yeah. fucking Nazis. And period. This is 30 some odd years after World War II ended. Well, World War II ended in early to mid 40s. 40s. And at this point, this is like mid, mid to late 70s. 70s. So it's 30 years. 30 years. Too soon, guys. Way too soon. Like, it's still too soon. Yeah. But that was very too soon. Very much too soon. That would be like a bunch of people, like, I don't know, creating some kind of like Taliban group or something in America now, 20 years after 9 11. Yeah. Or like an ISIS sympathizing group somehow gets a whole lot of political support somehow. That's. Yeah. Yeah. So the National Front, by definition, basically, is a far-right fascist political party that adopted many of the same beliefs as Hitler, Great, believing that anyone who isn't white, cisgender, and straight doesn't deserve to live in quote-unquote their country. Great. Because apparently they were there first, even though more than likely they're descendants of the romans mm-hmm. or scandinavian vikings mm-hmm. or french gauls mm-hmm. or you know any of the many 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 uh Places. groups over the years yeah. over the centuries over the millennia that have invaded and taken over britain mm-hmm. what is a real british person it's <sighs> It's a lot. A racist, to- <laughs> apparently. <laughs> a fucking racist. <laughs> According yeah. to them, you're only really British if you're racist. Yeah. So these guys held a lot of views that are kith and kin to the Tea Party or Trump supporters in the U.S. today, but with a bit more racist pizzazz. Like, wow. Kind of like walking down the street with a flashing neon sign that just screams Nazi. <laughs> They're like... We don't just come out once in a while and say the Jews will not replace us. Every day, (laughs) I am just wearing my swastika and saying, hello, I'm here. Respect me. (laughs) I make the Dollar Tree sell out of tiki torches every week. Okay. (laughs) Oh, great Britain. Great Britain. Great, comma, Britain. (laughs) And much like we see now in a semi-post-Trump United States... Where we have Congress and celebrities saying dumb shit that neighbors Nazism. Maybe they share the same driveway-ish. Oh, yeah. They're like in the same cul-de-sac. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're seeing... <laughs> that was the whitest fucking thing I've ever said. Right. The Cul- word cul-de-sac is the whitest word ever. It really is, honestly. Chuggiest episode ever. 
And, you know, we're seeing idiots like Marjorie Taylor Greene in Congress. By the mid-70s, Britain had parliament members that were going on blatantly racist and anti-immigrant diatribes. One of the most famous was Enoch Powell's Rivers of Blood speech in 1968. Just the fact that his speech was named the Rivers of Blood speech Mm -hmm. tells you all you need to know about Mm -hmm. what he said. All of this popularity surrounding the National Front and its fascist ideology was influencing the musicians that the founders of Rock Against Racism were supposed to look up to. Big names in the music world that were helping spread dangerous messages of fascism and intolerance. Hmm. First up is our favorite rag boy. Don't say it. Eric Clapton. That motherfucker. <laughs> Buckle your seatbelts, kids. We're about to go on a ride. But like, oh, you mean you mean the white man who stole music from black people? Yeah. He, He's racist? He is literally the human equivalent of that cum towel you hide under your bed and never bother to wash. Oh. It's, it's useful once in a while, but you don't want anyone to see it, and you're sure as hell not giving it the dignity of cleaning it up. Like, it's how I only like Layla. I'm sorry. I like Layla. And only the original version, not that acoustic version. But then come to find out he stole the piano part from Rita Coolidge. That's right. So think that means I can like it again because Rita wrote the piano, which is the best part. It's really the best part. Yeah. So. And it's written about Patty Boyd. So like. Yeah. Well, you know. She's fine. She's, but she's, like. Yeah. He ended up marrying her and then proceeded to abuse the crap out of her. So. Wait, Eric Clapton's not a good dude? Oh, guys. This is our Eric <laughs> let Clapton us, episode. Let us count the ways that Eric Clapton is not a good guy. <laughs> Here's one example. On August 5th, 1976, Eric Clapton played a show in Birmingham where he went on a horribly racist diatribe. And I'm going to read most of it here. But just know that anytime I say blanks, he's saying words that are the British equivalent of saying the N-word in America. So I'm not going to fucking say it. Huh. I did not realize they had their own equivalent to that. I mean, there's several that I'm just not comfortable saying, oh, even though no, I'm American. Yeah, don't. Don't. Yeah. No. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. I'm fine with that. Okay. I'm just surprised. So, quote, I don't want you here in the room or in my country. I think we should vote for Enoch Powell. I think Enoch's right. I think we should send them all back. Stop Britain from becoming a black colony. Get the foreigners out. Get the blanks out. Get the other blanks out. Keep Britain white. I used to do dope. Now I'm into racism. It's much heavier, man. Fucking blanks, man. Fucking Saudis taking over London. Bastard blanks. (laughs) I'm not even halfway done. Britain is becoming overcrowded and Enoch will stop it and send them all back. The black blanks and other blanks and Arabs and fucking Jamaicans and fucking don't belong here. We don't want them here. We need to make clear to them they are not welcome. England is for white people, man. We are a white country. I don't want fucking blanks living next door to me with their standards. This is Great Britain, a white country. What is happening to us for fuck's sake? End quote. Exactly. Your face says it all. Wish you could see it, people that are listening. <laughs> I am rendered like absolutely speechless. It is not just that he like said a couple things that were questionable. He went on a goddamn horribly racist rant. He wasn't even like trying to be PC, quote unquote, yeah. about it. He was legit just saying, no, I'm racist. He's, yeah. 
Yeah. He literally just said, I, I'm into racism. And, and then. Who was, says that? And then was. And then Openly. Like, but it's like, hey, guys, I'm racist. You want to see how racist? <laughs> Hold on to your tits. It's as if people in the audience had their arms crossed. Oh, he can't be that racist, can he? Oh, wow. Uh, nope. He's pretty racist. It's like, All right. It's like he's, he thought he saw everybody in the audience go, well, I don't really think so. I want to see proof of this. And you then are he performing just... music originated by black people. Yes. Eric <laughs> fucking Clapton. Eric, Eric Clapton. Yes. The fact that Eric Clapton has based his entire career around playing blues infused rock and roll, a genre of music created, developed, nurtured and pioneered by black musicians that irony is not lost on anyone or at least it shouldn't be i'm so mad (laughs) i told you i speechlessly mad Uh, the fact that this man is viewed as a demigod because of his guitar skills is fucking revolting i don't give a shit how good you are i don't care if you sold your soul to the fucking devil to be able to pl- be the best guitar player of all time if you say shit like that you should get your musician card revoked seriously why do people still like it get your i am able to influence people card revoked all of it fuck you Get the fuck out of here. Because I How? would say, like, he still had a lot of heyday going on in, like, the 80s and 90s. Absolutely. This is well before Tears in Heaven was released, so... Right. And he had, like, his whole acoustic unplugged that yep. everybody jizzed their pants over. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he has since apologized several times for his behavior, but frankly, I don't fucking buy it, considering his latest shenanigans. Oh, well, now he's a very vocal anti-vaxxer. Yeah, he blamed the whole incident on his drinking and drug use, as well as childhood trauma. I thought he said he wasn't doing dope anymore. He was fucking lying. (laughs) What? (laughs) Eric Clapton? Lying about his drug use? Never. No. So instead of owning up to being racist and dedicating himself to re-education and reform like he fucking should have, he blamed it on things that were seemingly out of his control and therefore not his fault. It's not my fault I'm racist. It's not my fault this is what dope does to me. (laughs) Dope just makes me a raging racist. (laughs) That's not how this works. Yeah. Yeah, he... But he also gave the, I dated a black woman, I have black friends, so I can't be racist excuse. I hate him. Which is such a boomer fucking excuse. It's disgusting. I know how you could think I'm racist. I had sex with a black woman once. I was inspired by a song I heard called Brown Sugar. (laughs) I was just going to bring that up. Rad. Great. Yeah, it's it's like Mick Jagger saying he can't be racist because he wrote Brown Sugar, which is the most racist song I have ever heard in my fucking life. It is incredibly, like, uh, not monetizing, but what is it when you're, like, like creating... Like this idea of the black woman, how she's like a forbidden fruit. It's condescending. It's caught, but like there's like a a word for it that I can't think of right now. And it's really gross. And unfortunately, women of color suffer this a lot, especially in music and film. It's like they're fetishized. That's the word. Yeah. He's fetishizing black women and being like, well, I can't be racist because I think they're hot. And it's like, no, but also you would not like. But the way that you think that they're hot is a form of racism. Yeah, you think they're hot because they're like 
ethereal, mysterious black and women. exotic. It's like, no, shut like, the fuck up, do you dude. Think, I'm sorry. Do you think a black woman has got the time or patience, Mick Jagger, to <laughs> fucking, like, be the fantasy for your ass? Like, no, homegirl probably just wants to, like, go home and, like, rest her fucking feet some nights and be a fucking, like, casual chick. But when you come around, she's like, oh, fuck, Mick's coming over again? Now I gotta, like, do my hair all fancy and wear, like, the crazy outfits because I'm an ethereal black lady. Yeah. It's a whole trope anyway. It is. And, like, he just feeds into, like, I don't, I I understand, like, we have to look at things from context. I would respect it more if people like Mick Jagger, Jagger? (laughs) If people like Mick Jagger and Eric Clapton not only, like, apologized, but would like Mick Jagger be like, I'm never playing Brown Sugar. I really kind of want to retire that song. Just own the fact that you realize that what you did 40 years ago was racist. Don't be like, but everyone likes the song, so I gotta keep singing it. Or blame it on drugs or alcohol. Like, no, they don't call it the truth juice for nothing. Mm -hmm. I have never heard of somebody getting super drunk and then just saying shit that they didn't somehow in some way whether it's deep-seated or not believe the bullshit that they were saying right anyway that's our rant and rage about eric clapton and mick jagger yeah (sighs) but yeah considering in the last year he's put out two anti-lockdown songs one includes van morrison who performed on stage with clapton at the birmingham ham show in 1976 i'm gonna say he's still a right-wing racist nutcase yeah I don't think that's a stretch. No. And then David Bowie got on a weird fascist kick. He did. Was this um, the cocaine and peppers phase? Yes. Mm. Mm. I will blame the drugs for this one. He did a lot of wacky shit in this The drugs, in his case, actually did have a really big influence on the bullshit that he said and granted what he said oh, was not peppers and milk it was he peppers and milk sustained but, oh but also it was a lot coke. of fucking coke but he sustained on a diet of peppers and milk <laughs> yes. that is the grossest shit yes i will i'll get into it in just a second oh All it's right. so disgusting okay so beginning in the late 60s slash early 70s Bowie became immersed in the world of occultism Mm -hmm. and was fascinated by Nazis and their connection with the with the occult. Right. A lot of the subject matter in his 1971 album Hunky Dory was inspired by the book The Coming Race, Mm -hmm. which focuses on a master race called the Vril that set up shop in Hollow Earth. It had like everything in it. Oh, that's right. The lyrics to Oh You Pretty Things is directly inspired by this book. And it's extremely reminiscent of Nazi ideology. Yeah. In 1973, Bowie read The Spear of Destiny by mm-hmm. Trevor Ravenscroft. <laughs> the book's synopsis was that Hitler was a master magician obsessed with finding the Spear of Destiny yep. that would give its owner the power to rule the world. And although we now know that the book is total fiction, yeah. Bowie took it as fact cocaine's a hell of a drug it is guys (laughs) and he was straight up fascinated with hitler his charisma and his ability to command an audience combined with his alleged magical roots were just undeniable to him which led him to say some really dumb pro hitler shit (laughs) oh wasn't he on a news show and he got like real into it one night 
Um, I he, swear he I saw have. some like clip where he was like really getting into it, and everyone's like, uh, <laughs> Bowie, <laughs> what? what? <laughs> First, in 1976, he was seen with a group of fans at London's Victoria Station and allegedly greeted them with a Nazi salute. He absolutely denied doing this, but no one really believed him. So eh, maybe Mm -hmm. he did, maybe he didn't. I don't know. Nobody believing him was in part, you know, to comments he made to Playboy magazine that same year in which he said that Britain is ready for a fascist leader. Oh, maybe that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, he said some really questionable shit to Playboy. He continued saying, quote, Yes, I believe very strongly in fascism. The only way we can speed up the sort of liberalism that's hanging foul in the air at the moment is to speed up the progress of a right-wing, totally dictatorial tyranny and get it over as fast as possible. People have always responded with greater efficiency under a regimental leadership, end quote. And then he called Hitler one of the first rock stars. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's that's the baby. That's yeah. what I remember. Yeah. Unfortunate. I get sort of what he was trying to say, which right. I think was that, you know, we need to get this right wing bullshit over with so we can continue with actual liberalism. But he was. But he said not it in saying the, it right. It was the most convoluted way that just made it sound like he was advocating for fascism. <laughs> yeah, no, because I see what you're saying now, but that doesn't read. No, mm. not at all. To give, it's almost like Bowie's giving them half thoughts. Yes, like he has one half of a sentence in the brain, and the and other then half another comes half, out, and, and you're not. It's the wrong part. The wrong part's the one that's coming. He out. is a skipping record at this point. Oh. Which is the worst. Yeah. You hate it when your record skips. But when the record is fascism and you're trying to explain it, like, you can't afford to let it skip, David. No. No. You gotta, gotta really fill those whole thoughts out. Fill those oh, gaps. Gosh. Fill them gaps. Oh, great, Britain. To give Bowie the benefit of the doubt, in the early to mid-70s, he was living in a cocaine psychosis and hallucinating constantly. Yeah. He wasn't eating, sustaining himself on cigarettes, cocaine, milk, and peppers. Why? He doesn't even know why. He just was, it was just milk and peppers all the time. I forgot, was it specifically red peppers? I just assumed it was hot peppers, but I don't know if that's true. Oh, because milk. Yeah, because that's what I thought. Like, milk mitigates the heat. I don't know. But either way, his shit's. Wow, I can't even imagine. Just oh, lactose and hot peppers. And he was with his first wife back then, whose name Angela. I can't Angela. Yeah. Yikes. And he had a For what kid. it's worth, she put up with some stinky shit. <laughs> literally, from him and their newborn kid. Yeah, like literally and figuratively, Angela had to put up with some shit from David Bowie. So much Bowie shit. Yeah. Well, and I think like he almost killed her or something in this period too, or something. Oh, probably. He was constantly hallucinating. Yeah. So, yeah. He thought I, like I think there he had like a really bad hallucination where he thought she was like trying to hurt him, or I don't even know. I'd have to like restudy that, but yeah. I'm not trying to defend what Bowie did, but I also think like Bowie has a the, Bowie does the thing that we wanted Clapton and Mick Jagger to do. Yeah. Where he's like, I fucked up, and he makes up for it later. Yes. And he's like, 
it really was the drugs, but still, I shouldn't have said yeah. this shit. Like, when he goes on MTV, he's like, y'all don't play fucking black music, so don't play my videos. Yeah. So, he he brings it around. Yeah. And but he still, realizes, like, like whew, at this point in time, oh no. without the benefit of any context or explanation that he is in a cocaine psychosis... <laughs> Um, everyone's just like, what the fuck, Bowie? We really liked you, and now... We still like you, but like... Maybe. But now we kind of think you're a Hitler sympathizer. Maybe. Yeah. So, of this time period, he said, quote, by the end of the week, my whole life would be transformed into this bizarre nihilistic fantasy world of oncoming doom, mythological characters, and imminent totalitarianism. So he was constantly thinking that fascism was just an inevitability. Oh. Yeah. He thought fascism was going to take over Britain and needed to in order for liberalism to prevail. It's not an excuse for what he said, but I guess it makes sense that his ridiculous comments came from a ridiculous place instead of just deep-seated racism. Right. He was just crazy on cocaine. That's what he should have named his next album. Crazy, crazy on cocaine. cocaine. <laughs> Either that or Milk and Peppers. Which, well, That's his new ride at Disneyland. Milk and David peppers? Bowie's Crazy on, okay. on Cocaine. <laughs> you get free Milk and Peppers. Oh. <laughs> Enhance the experience. Oh, God. Like maybe a pepper milkshake. Oh, yeah. no. Yeah. That's just burn. Oh. Ugh. Woof. Anyway. Yeah, we'll continue. No. It's got a Tums rim on it, so it's, it helps with the heartburn. <laughs> then fascism was picked up by the most unlikely of creatures, Rod Stewart of London. <laughs> oh my gosh, what? As the National Front threatened to move beyond the fringes of Britain's political system, Rod Stewart showed his support for those absolute dum-dums by saying... Quote, I think Enoch Powell is the man. I'm all for him. His country's overcrowded. The immigrants should be sent home. That's it. End quote. It's not as anger-inducing as Eric Clapton. And to be honest, not even really surprised. I'm kind of surprised yeah, just you're because right. Rod Stewart was like kind of a pop guy at this point. And like, I just figured all he cared about was pussy. Yeah. Like, why are you really caring why about politics? Com- why are you commenting on fascism? Yeah, like what? I mean, like, I don't think you even know what. I bet he doesn't even know like, what he's sir, saying. Sir, don't you have like 20 women to go cheat on right now? Don't you have like 20 women to assault right now? That too. Mm. As far as I know, he never apologized or retracted his statements. In fact, on New Year's Eve 2019 into 2020, Rod and his son were charged with battery after assaulting a security guard. Right before the 74-year-old punched a 33-year-old security guard in the ribs, he appeared to make the Nazi salute. No idea why. However, this all went down in a children's play area of a resort. Yes. If you think I'm racist (laughs) and you know I'm fascist, come on, sugar, don't listen to my songs. (laughs) New hit. That is kind of a jam, though. Richard Spencer does a spoken word section at the end. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I hate it. Then there was Adam Ant, which I'm so sad that he did this. Because no. I like Adam Ant. No. But. Wait, but he's mm, not a goody two-shoes. He's not a goody two-shoes. What did he do? What did he do? 
He was accused of using Nazi propaganda imagery to help launch his career. And he did. He wasn't just accused. He fucking did it. He insisted that he was anti-fascist, claiming his parents were Romani gypsies who were also persecuted in the Holocaust. Okay. So he has more of a right to despise Nazis than anyone. Okay. However, he held fast to his right to use Nazi imagery. It was almost like he was trying to reclaim the swastika, but it just wasn't working. Like, okay. too soon, my yeah, dude? Like, too yeah, soon. Yeah. Give it, give it a buffer. 30 years is not enough of a buffer. Mm-mm. So Red Saunders and his cartoon clown's friend, Roger Huddle, were at a pub having a pint. Oh, having a point at the pub. Having a point. Pub points. Discussing their growing concern over the rise of the NF and how distressingly angry they were at Eric Clapton's comments. As you should be. Out of all of them, the worst. Yeah. And I mean, Eric Clapton was somebody that they look up looked up to. Oh. So they were like- They didn't know any better yet. Yeah. And like Roger really liked Rod Stewart and- was like disgusted at his comments about fascism and yeah yeah they along with friends joe reeford and pete bruno wrote a letter to nme magazine denouncing clapton's racist rant in the letter they pointed out the hypocrisy of clapton covering bob marley's i shot the sheriff just two years earlier that's right so like fuck off eric clapton yeah that's not even you can't. The irony just is just, I, it will bowl you over. Man, I hate Jamaicans. Let me cover Bob Marley. Yeah, get the fucking Jamaicans out. But let me just cover this song real quick. The blacks are only good for one thing, for me to steal their music. Yeah. Please don't isolate that clip. <laughs> this letter also called for people to create a movement that they dubbed Rock Against Racism. Yay. NME not only published the letter, but other publications picked it up, too. And this letter garnered a huge response, and soon enough, the Rock Against Racism movement was in full swing. They also started a fanzine called Temporary Hoarding that got RAR's message out even further. So in... Oh, I didn't cite my sources. Tell me your sources. Um, It was a documentary called White Riot that oh. came out just a few years ago. It was really good. Is it based on the book? I don't think so. Good. The book is not good. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it is. I only read on... like half the book. And I'm like, this kind of sucks. Oh, that's disappointing. It was just a lot of like white men talking about racism and why it's wrong. Oh, no. Okay. This, was def- this definitely had a plethora of people of different races and cultural backgrounds talking yeah. about how they were actually involved in this movement. Okay, cool. Much better than that, but... In this documentary, (laughs) they kept referencing, they wouldn't say R-A-R, they would call it RAR, which is adorable, but at the same time, it's, RAR is something that is difficult for me to pronounce. RAR. RAR. It's kind of like, (laughs) I feel like I'm trying to say the name Rory. Oh, you hate that name. And I hate that name because I can't say it. That's fair. Rory. So, I'm calling it R-A-R. RAR. You can call it RAR. I'll call it RAR. Okay. <laughs> Soon enough, we're going to get to the Anti-Nazi League, and that's ANL, which... Anal! It's anal. <laughs> okay. But anyway, we'll save that for later. On the cover was their manifesto, which reads, We want rebel music, street music, music that breaks down people's fear of one another. Crisis music, now music, music that knows who the real enemy is. Love music, hate racism. 
Now that's what I call hate racism. <laughs> Volume three. Volume 8,562. Yeah. Basically at this point. Mm-hmm. The zine was published whenever the org gathered enough money to publish it, which meant it wasn't often. No. Over five years, they only published 15 issues, but each issue had an impact. Yeah. They tackled one specific topic in each issue, like Britain's sus laws, which were very similar to New York City's stop and frisk policy. Rad. You know, the police could stop and search anyone they wanted with impunity. Oh, well, you looked a little suspicious. Right. Go check you now. Oh, look at where this where this marijuana come from. And as we all know, police, wherever they are, in a predominantly white country, period, fucking racist. Mm-hmm. So if they have the ability to just stop whoever they want and frisk, frisk them, mm-hmm. they're going to pick people of color. Yeah. It also provided support for anyone willing to start their own RAR chapter or host an RAR gig. Rawr. They had specific guidelines to follow when organizing a show, like don't let any unauthorized person take the microphone, protect the PA system at all costs, you know, this is how you book a venue, etc., etc. They were more than happy to help out in any way possible just to have their anti-fascist message reach further and wider. Awesome. And the early days were a bit touch and go because the punk scene did have a lot of racist fans permeating throughout. Mm-hmm. Even some big punk bands seemed to support the NF. Both the Sex Pistols and Susie and the Banshees used swastikas as fashion statements. Susie, for her part, always said it was for shock value, but can you really excuse someone for using a symbol with such horrific connotations for fashion purposes? No. I don't think so. I understand her intent, and I'm sure it was the same with the Sex Pistols. I'm sure they're like, we just want to make people go... (gasps) And I'm not saying it's okay. I just understand the context. Right. I do not think it was malicious. It was fucking stupid. Very stupid. You're like, come on. I mean, but if you think about it, think about like a band that's popular today, like Slipknot or Marilyn Manson or Nine Inch Nails. What if they use like a caricature of a blackface, like a picture of a black of somebody in blackface? And I'm just wondering, that. I feel like Marilyn Manson and or Slipknot have probably already done that. I don't think Slipknot <laughs> would, but Marilyn Manson probably, because yeah. he's a fucking idiot. Um, but, like, just imagine if they use that as, oh, yeah. like, part of their And logo. you look at them and you're like... Well, why? But also, too, I think we're just more, quote, unquote, woke now. I think we are less tolerant of... Nowadays, we can look at that shit and be like, what are you fucking doing? You're an idiot. Right. But, like, imagine if... Slipknot did that when they first came out in 1998-1999. I don't know if there would be as much of a backlash. That's what I mean. That's why I'm trying to liken it to. Because, like, if Slipknot came out in 99 with that one album that got them popular and the logo on the front had, like, you know, an old Mamie kind of depiction on it. Like, we would be like, that's kind of racist, but, like, nobody would fucking say anything. Because we like the music. They're making a statement, but, like, don't use that to make a statement. But, like, that's kind of what Susie was trying to do Mm. with the swastika. And in the 70s, you can get away with it. But now, Mm -mm. we'd be like, nah, fuck you. Fuck off to whatever rock you came out from under because fuck you. Red met Dennis Bovell, 
guitarist of the highly influential Brit- British reggae band Matumbi mm-hmm. at a club one night and pitched RAR to him, pressing the idea that the only way to defeat racism was to bring people together. Dennis was 100% on board because, after all, reggae is about humanity and community, not segregation. Yup. Matumbi headlined the very first Rock Against Racism gig in London's East End uh, in November 1976. The show was wildly successful and just wild in general. Security had their work cut out for them, (laughs) dragging people off rafters and breaking up mobs. Oh. Eventually, RAR grew to a legitimate business. Katie Webb was the first full-time employee of the organization, opening the sacks full of mail that they received daily and responding to each letter as quickly as possible. They would get letters from all walks of life, from school teachers to the 14-year-old kids they were teaching. Wow. Before they knew it, there were over 200 RAR chapters all over the UK, eventually spreading across the globe from the US to South Africa to Australia. That's amazing. This is during the 70s still? Yeah, and completely DIY. That's... Without the internet, without any of that shit. This was from a fucking zine. Wow. One of the first musicians to speak out against the National Front and align herself with RAR was Polly Styrene. Yeah. As we discussed just a couple episodes ago, Polly had a white mother and a black father and faced an incredible amount of racism from the music scene and society in general. Being mixed race gave her a unique perspective on racism and also made her acutely aware of the rise of the National Front. So, of course, she supported RAR. With all this support, of course, came the downfalls. In No. I don't want it. <laughs> Always. Because fucking Nazis suck. <laughs> Nazis coming up in my shit and ruining everything like they always fucking do. <laughs> On August 13th, 1977, a riot between the NF supporters and anti-fascist counter-protesters broke out, dubbed the Battle of Lewisham. I mean, this happens. Mm-hmm. Happen I to mean, us. Happened all throughout the summer of 2020. Yeah. Like, almost word for fucking word. Like, also in 2017. Let me describe to you uh, what happens and see if it triggers any PTSD for any of us. Rad. Okay? 500 members of the National Front attempted to march from the London neighborhood of New Cross to that of Lewisham. Nearly 4,000 counter-protesters clashed with the National Front and the police, who were pelted with bottles, bricks, and smoke bombs, and the NF's banners were set on fire. The police seemingly protected the NF from harm by pushing back the counter-protesters and escorting the NF onto trains to get away from the mob. Mm -hmm. They also rained violence down upon counter-protesters, breaking out their riot shields for the first time ever on British home soil. It's like... You can't trust the police or something. It's almost like the police are racist, too. It's like the police are douchebags and don't deserve the canines that they get served. (laughs) You're just still salty because earlier this evening, random dog shows up at your apartment. Yeah. You know me. I'm excited. I'm like, give me this dog. Let's save a dog. Turns out. It's the dog that belongs to the police officer who's across the street cleaning out his fucking car and not paying attention to his dog running around the neighborhood and almost getting hit by two cars. And then I almost shit my pants because I thought I was going to watch a dog die tonight. Yep. And then when the dog came over, the guy's just like, hey, 
Go over here, dog. Get in the car. Get in the car you get in the car, sir. Why don't you get in the fuck out? Give me your dog. Your dog was really skinny, too. Also really skinny dog. Just in case you need our, our opinion on the police force in America. And yeah. apparently, great, Britain. <laughs> great, comma, Britain. Britain. Yeah. As clashes continued, the National Front kept getting bigger. They were now recruiting the British youth, as well as those that were part of the punk movement. Groups of skinheads would go to shows and start fights. And not all skinheads were Nazis, but when you're in the middle of bashing someone's face in, you don't really stop to ask. Yeah. Yeah. I do recall that being a big thing in the skinhead culture, because there are definitely skins that are Nazis and there are skins that are anti-fascist. Yes. But they look kind of the same. They look, they have like different (laughs) colored shoelaces. One wears a swastika, one does not. Not even that blatant. It's literally down to the color of their shoelaces or like how they're laced yes, or something. And yes, it's just it's like, both. why? Why? If you are not fascist and not racist, why would you want to align yourself so closely with others who are? I mean, I get it. The fashion's cool, but just like put like a little bit more variation on it. Yeah. Maybe like a yellow leather jacket instead of a Maybe black one. Don't tuck your pants into your stupid combat boots. Oh, that'll help. Yeah. Yeah. RAR then teamed up with the ANL, the anti Nazi League. Rar and anal. <laughs> Rar and anal. <laughs> Rar anal. Just, it's, just a, it's just a lion that really likes the butt sex. I, that's fine. But you know what? I good for him. That. Well, them. I mean, the them. female good lions for them. could. Excuse me. We should not them. assume gender. True. Yo, we're trying to break 37 years of habits. It's very <laughs> difficult. With funding from the ANL, RAR could now put on a festival-type show that they called a carnival. Well, the ANL just wanted them to do a show off the back of a truck. But... So, RAR wanted to do this big-ass carnival thing. And anal was like, like, can we just do this concert off the back of my truck? Can you just get a couple bands to, you know, play on the back of a lorry? I'm just going to open up the back of my trunk here and you can just play in there so much room for activities it's butt sex yeah you want to film a kraken (laughs) bart simpson up here with these jokes (laughs) wow i hope y'all like 13 year old humor because we're here for it anyway Uh, yeah please continue but like yeah, RAR was not into the truck shows. <laughs> um, but ANL did not want to spend the money on something crazy big, but that wasn't going to fly with RAR cuz they had big plans. Well, go big or go home. Exactly. Their plan was to march from Trafalgar Square to Victoria Park and hold a multi-band, multi-racial, anti-fascist, pro-immigration show. In a neighborhood where the National Front was very popular and got nearly a quarter of the vote. That's amazing and terrifying. That's like suck my balls move. That is suck my balls, National Front. That is the look at the balls on Brett move (laughs) right up in this bitch. Yeah. Red's balls are massive. Look at the balls on Red. I know. Yeah. It wasn't normal for Red to be worried about pulling off a show, but for this one, he was. 
It was a much bigger overhaul than past shows, and it could all go to shit very easily. Yeah. But once they started getting bigger name punk bands on board, confidence rose. Mm. Eventually, they got well-known names in the punk world on board, like Tom Robinson Band, who's a fucking jam, by the way. Okay. I've Defin- heard of Defin- Tom Robinson, but I've never listened. Definitely listen to Tom Robinson Band. They're really good. Um, Steel Pulse, X-Ray Specs, Sham 69, and of course, The Clash. Ugh. The Clash had a bitter pill to swallow when they were told that even though they were the biggest name on the bill, they would be playing second fiddle to Tom Robinson Band. By now, The Clash were famous by punk standards, so they were like, squeeze me, baking powder. But also, you're doing this to do like the right thing, not to, oh no. Exactly. I hate when you give me that face. So they realized RAR's vision of bringing everyone together at the end of the show and agreed that Tom Robinson Band was the best band to do that. Okay. So it was- That's fine. They realized it was far more about the message than their egos. Yep. Okay. Great. So super. Everybody was happy. Great, Britain. (laughs) When word got out that The Clash were on the roster, people went nuts. Mm -hmm. The Clash even demonstrated outside the National Front's headquarters, not just to promote the carnival, but to piss off the NF2. Good for them. And it was also kind of a PR stunt. Yeah. Meanwhile, members of RAR and the ANL began building the stage and getting the park ready for the festival. They were so worried that the NF would fuck with their shit that the ANL slept on the stage as they were building it so it would have 24-hour protection. Wow. Because the National Front are fucking dicks. Oh, I'm sure. That's smart and it's committed. The police were of no help whatsoever. What? And they actively mocked the RAR and insisted no one was going to show up. No way. What? No. Oh, wow. Police aren't dicks. What? But it downpoured the entire week before the show, turning Victoria Park into a swamp. Oh, no. It's like they live in England or something. (laughs) It's like it rains all the time. It's like the exact opposite of what Eric Draven says. Yeah. It does rain all the time, Eric Draven. Eric Draven didn't live in London. Clearly, he had never been to England. Clearly. There was little communication between the teams at Vicky Park and Trafalgar Square, so they had no idea how the march was going to go or how many people were actually showing up. Right. They were really flying by the seat of their pants here, and as Red Saunders stood in Trafalgar Square, stuffing his face with a bacon buddy and a cup of tea, Mm. the crowd started arriving. Good. Do you know what a bacon buddy is? No, but it sounds adorable and delicious. It's literally just a sandwich with bacon and butter and... I want one. Yeah, it's probably just like a fucking like croissant with bacon and butter in it. And like, or like I, even just, it's probably just a fucking biscuit. There Although are, their biscuits are cookies. There were some days when they would have rolls, I guess. Yeah, rolls. Um, Crumpets. There were some days when I like in my younger years when I would be like, I want breakfast, but I don't want to bother with the eggs. No. I'm just going to make bacon and toast. Yeah. And then I would make it into a sandwich and I'd be like, I'm the fattest piece of shit ever. Who does this? Come to find out, all England. of England does. <laughs> so I'm just like... You're just British. I'm just like celebrating my British heritage. Yeah. Good for me. You're going to put some beans on that toast? Fuck no. <laughs> That's you, disgusting. You know why I hate it? Because it's not... It's it's baked beans. It's not that is like... Just, that is the most disgust. That hurts my soul. 
to see those beans on that plate. Those mushy, wet baked beans. Baked beans. You know I love beans. I'm real brack about beans, but like, man, <laughs> I fucking hate baked beans. Disgusting. They're disgusting. I would eat, Why would you ruin beans like that? I would eat all the blood sausage in existence before I ate beans. Man, I will remember the first time I had blood sausage, I was like, son of a bitch, this is terrible, but it's so good. Oh, yeah. Satisfies the vampiric tendencies. It really does. Me. It really does. Oh, my God. So the organizers told the city that they expected about 500 people. Oh. But nearly 100,000 showed. Shut the front door. <laughs> Many from as far away as Scotland and Ireland to show up for social justice and show the UK that racism isn't welcome. That's heartwarming. Right? Oh. In 1978, I think oh, this was. Yeah. I love it. There were bands heading up the march playing music from the back of trucks. Mm. So the ANL got their wish. Okay. Yay, anal trucks. <laughs> Misty and Roots led the way, followed by cars carrying massive puppet heads of Hitler, fascist activist John Tyndall, and leading neo-Nazi and walking marshmallow in a suit, Martin Webster. Look up Martin Webster. He is a walking marshmallow in a suit. (laughs) Okay. Martin Webster. You got it. These giant heads were created by Spitting Image, a satirical puppet show that also did the puppets in the Land of Confusion music video by Genesis. Oh, shit. So, I same love that guys. video. Yeah. It's a, puppets oh, are scary as fuck. Terrifying, but I loved it. Oh, man. I bet that was perfect for this. Yes. All right. They were very well made, looked exactly like these guys, and you, I knew as soon as I saw it, before they even mentioned it in the documentary. Uh-huh. I was like, that's the same people that didn't land a confusion. Dang. Yeah. There we go. Never has Phil Collins looked so good as he did as a puppet. Did you know he can't drum anymore? He has a spinal injury. Bro can't drum. Did not know that. Genesis is going out on tour. He can't drum. His son is taking up drumming duties. But he can sing. He can sing. Okay. He just, his hands don't work anymore. Oh, that's sad. That is sad. Like... He's always been a dick, but like... He's a good drummer. He was a great drummer and amazing songwriter. Yeah. Well, at least he can still sing. He's still there. And that's sweet that his son is taking over. Yes. Thankfully, the march was generally peaceful. Any neo-Nazis that tried to make trouble easily backed down when they saw the huge crowd. They're like, oh, never fuck a month here. Like, I'm gonna die. Not worth my time. (laughs) The show was scheduled to start at noon. The weather cleared up and everything was ready to go. Oh. Except no one was there yet. Oh. There was a bit of tension as everyone threw their hands up and said, what do we do? But x-ray specs were set to open the show. And as soon as the marching crowds heard polystyrene screaming the opening lines of, oh, bondage up yours, they rushed the stage. Yes. The fence and barricades came down. There was little to no security because they weren't expecting such a crowd. Nope. And there was one singular ambulance with one singular medical professional oh, to help no. all these hurt teenagers. Oh, no. And because they told the town they only expected a few hundred people, they didn't install any porta potties. So, yeah. We're just shitting in the streets. <laughs> oh, yeah. Shitting for racism. <laughs> Shitting against racism? Shitting against, shitting against shitting racism. on racism. Boom. Flip it. <laughs> we did it. 
The festival proved to be incredibly successful, but this was not the end of Rock Against Racism. An election was coming up in 1979, and the National Front was one of the four most popular political parties, so there was a big chance they could win the election. Mm. Now that RAR and the ANL got the attention of the UK, so many like abbreviations <laughs> in this. Jeez. I mean, they love their, um, you know, what are those things? Abbreviations? No, with the acronyms. acronyms. They love their acronyms over there in England. Sure. Sure. The objective was to make sure the National Front did not assume power. Yeah, that's a good thing. It's kind of like David Bowie's Jareth was like the National Front and Sarah was RAR and like the anti-racist. And she was all like, you have no power over me. No, it's not like that at all because, (laughs) I mean, I get it. It's a coming of age tale and she's supposed to grow and be her own person. But also like, oh, and Jareth is supposed to be toxic. And no, I want to fuck David Bowie. I want to be the queen of the fucking labyrinth. Are you and fuck David Bowie all day? And like all of my friends are there. And he does fun things with crystal balls with his hands. Good with his hands. Yes. Like and I don't like children. So why the fuck would I want to save Toby? You know what I do like? Goblins. I fucking love a good goblin. You know what I want to be? The Goblin Queen. Yes, I do. All right. Uh, So, yeah, they did this by organizing as many shows as possible. A second carnival was scheduled for September 24th, 1978, this time in the Brixton area of London. It had the same plan as the first, a march from Hyde Park to Brockwell Park, and about the same number of people showed up to that one. However, it featured a different lineup that included reggae group Oswad as well as Elvis Costello. Interesting. Hmm. Only a few days before this RAR show, a really bad fight between RAR supporters and skinheads broke out at a smaller gig in London. Okay. Like Nazi skinheads. Yeah, the shitty skinheads. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> There's sometimes, like, there are just some skinheads that aren't Nazis. Yeah. This show was at the Central London Polytechnic with Sham 69 and Misty in Roots headlining. Mm-hmm. Misty and Roots is a reggae band from South Hall, London, consisting of all black musicians, and Sham 69 is a punk band from Surrey with all white musicians. Mm. So it was a pretty good, you know, combination of everybody. Yeah. It's like, hey, everybody's welcome here. We're all friends. Things are great, right? Exactly. Right? Except skinheads. What? The leader of Sham 69, Jimmy Percy, wasn't really a skinhead sympathizer, but he always tried to see things from their point of view and bring them into the conversation. Yeah. Which I get. You don't want to call people out. You want to call them in. Right. You want to have a conversation in order to change minds, but nobody's minds are getting changed. Only their diapers are getting changed. (laughs) Ah, You're making a joke about them being (laughs) babies. babies. Well, shit. He would be like, I get where these kids are coming from. They're from poor families, always told they won't amount to anything. They'll never leave London. They can only work on the docks or in a factory, and that's their life. Mm -hmm. Of course, they're frustrated and want someone to blame, so they blame black and Asian people. But that's just because that's just an excuse. They don't have the capacity. To see the world through other people's eyes. Right. They don't have to be racist because they come from a poor family. Yeah. You don't have to. Yeah. You can change your mind. Yeah. You can say, yes, my lot sucks, but you know. But it's not 
any it's not the fault of a black or asian person right. it is clearly not the black man's fault who let's be honest probably has it worse than me yeah but I'm going to get mad when they start to, like, get attention because yeah. then you're not paying attention to how hard I my life is. What do you mean I have white privilege? I was from a poor family. I cannot tell you how many people from my high school will say that shit. Oh, I'm yeah. like, you don't get it. I was raised poor, too, and now I have a job and, like, I'm really good. And I got to go to college and it's like, you don't understand that you're saying these yeah. things because you had the opportunities because you're white. Yeah. And it's like, bruh, I, addressing people from high school. I'm like, bruh, we grew up the same. Yeah. And I understand that I had white privilege. Yeah. I was poor as fuck. Yeah. And I was growing up, still had white privilege because mm-hmm. I'm white. Like, it's not that difficult to understand. Your life can still be hard. What we're asking you is just don't <laughs> fucking blame a black person because right. your life is hard. Get mad at the rich white government. Exactly. Anyway, please continue. <laughs> mad. So with that reputation, a lot of Sham 69's shows would erupt into clashes between anti-fascists and skinheads. Mm-hmm. This show was no different. The RAR organizers did everything they could to keep the skinheads out of the club, but they managed to sneak in anyway. And the show devolved into violence, and Sham 69 cut their set short. Oof. Jimmy Percy himself received so many death threats after that show that Sham 69 pulled out of the second Rock Against Racism oh, carnival no. a few days later, replaced by Northern Ireland's Stiff Little Fingers. <laughs> Which, I think this was kind of like their big break, so... I just like the name. Stiff Little Fingers. Yeah. It's a good name. It's a good name. However, it didn't stop Jimmy from bursting onto the stage between sets to deliver an impassioned speech, declaring his support of Rock Against Racism and fully denouncing fascism. All right. That's good. Good for you, Jimmy. He figured it out. He did. RAR also started the Militant Entertainment Tour, which visited many cities in the UK, covering over 2,000 miles. Forty different bands played on the tour, all coming together to spread the message of anti-racism and anti-fascism. At the same time, in April 1979, the South Hall Youth Movement organized an anti-NF demonstration in London. The group gathered outside the South Hall Town Hall, South Hall Town Hall, (laughs) where an NF meeting was taking place. There were about 3,000 protesters there, but... 2,876 police officers, 94 of whom were on horseback, were deployed to deal with the potential violence. Are you on what? That is nearly one police officer for For every one counter-protester. And then you have, like, a horse for more than every person. Or, like, you've... No, you have more than enough police because if the horses count as a policeman, police horse... (laughs) So you kind of have to add 94 onto that. Yeah. So they are outnumbered. Mm -hmm. The meeting started at 7 p.m. and the NF members were pretty much given a police escort into the building. The police then attacked the crowd of protesters, resulting in a melee that killed school teacher Blair Peach after he was struck on the head by a police officer. Dozens of others were injured, including Clarence Baker of Misty and Roots. Mm -hmm. 
He was in a coma for fucking months. What? During which RAR organized two benefit shows for him that saw big names like The Clash and Pete Townsend perform. Wow. The one good thing Pete Townsend has done in his life. I was going to say, wait, Pete Townsend did a good thing? Yeah. You score one for Pete Townsend. You know what? That's a check mark in the pro column, I he guess. He did it. He finally <laughs> did it. Hey, great. <laughs> Britain's general election commenced on May 3rd, 1979. Thankfully, the National Front was defeated at the polls. However, Good. Margaret Thatcher was elected prime minister. No. Ushering in an era of white ring conservative values akin to Reaganomics in the U.S. No, don't do it, Britain. (laughs) But they did. But because a right wing politician was voted in as PM, people who were riled up about immigration and spouting racist rhetoric were kind of satisfied that the conservative party was in power. Mm -hmm. So the National Front started its decline. Mm. They never really got out of the picture completely they just kind of devolved into a hierarchical mess is it kind of like the tea party kind of because like the tea party is never really gone anywhere they have like a couple little nuggets here and there and every once in a while they'll like maybe grab a headline somewhere but i'm the tea party so like the nf (laughs) is the tea party they're like the fucking mr me seeks of the political realm hey look at me and then as soon as you look at them they disappear yeah You did the thing they wanted. Yeah, exactly. RAR's involvement in politics also declined in the last 40 years, but they never really went away. Another Hmm. group called Love Music, Hate Racism, after the unofficial RAR slogan, began in 2002 and was made up of anti-racist musicians and campaigners. The organization was pretty broad, but like RAR, it had dozens of small chapters around Britain. Nice. They also put on festivals and smaller shows with the specific message of anti-racism. Good. Because we still need it. Yeah. Still. Now. Like, right now. Love Music Hate Racism's first big festival was held in Manchester in 2002 and featured British acts from alternative rock to hip-hop. Since then, it's gained the support of huge acts like Ed Sheeran and, ironically, Morrissey, who is a notorious racist. I'm so confused. I'm... Wait. Yeah. What? Yeah. What? He gave a lot of money to them. But he... Yeah. Oh, but here. But wait. So Morrissey (laughs) donated money to the organization so they could put on a Rock Against Racism 30th anniversary show in 2008 the one where polystyrene made a triumphant return. Yes. In 2010, however, the Love Music Hate Racism organization announced they would no longer accept donations from Morrissey after he made racist remarks about Chinese people. So at least there's that. But also, I am totally not against taking Morrissey's money and doing something with it that he probably fucking hates. So well, why okay did he give money? I'm so confused. To make it look like he's not a racist? But why would he care? He clearly doesn't care. I don't know. I'm very confused. I, I feel know. like Morrissey is just like one personality change away from being not terrible. <laughs> like if you just weren't kind of- racist, so I like- feel like we could just let go of all your assholery. But like, you know how a lot of serial killers get hit in the head when they're a kid and then that like turns a light switch that makes them 
a serial killer. Mm-hmm. Maybe he got hit in the head sometime in the early to mid 2000s mm-hmm. that like turned him into a racist. Oh, maybe. Maybe that flipped the racist switch in his brain and he was just like, hey, <laughs> fucking racist now. And you're like, all right. Great. Guess we got to deal with this now. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. So love music, hate racism still exists today, as well as sister organizations unite against fascism and stand up to racism. Mm -hmm. As long as racism exists, some form of rock against racism will also exist. And there will be plenty of punks of all races and genders and political leanings to tell fascism and racism to go fuck themselves. Well, that's just great, Britain. (laughs) Seriously. Good for you guys. Yeah. Like, it's really good, you know, that the organization is still going even in, like, a different imagination of it or machination or whatever the word is I'm looking for. But it sucks that we still need to have it. It, Yeah. And I'm kind of, I don't know. I, I... Honestly, didn't do a whole lot of research into what they have been doing lately, mm. but it seems like they haven't been doing a whole lot. Hmm. That could be because of funding. Yeah. Um. But also, it just seems like in the last, you know, six, seven years ish, we we sh- we we need this. Oh, like more very than much. ever. <laughs> yeah. Not just in the UK, but in the US too. Yeah. So. I think the uniting of people. And especially because it's people from different places in the world and different mm-hmm. colors and different genders or non-gender binary. Especially now, like within the last few weeks, because we are seeing an influx of um, Im- or refugees really yeah. from Afghanistan, Afghanistan. And nobody in the fucking United States wants to take them because the U.S. are racist. I believe Colorado shit. is actually like yes. telling them like, hey, come, come here. over here. Come in here. Mm-hmm. Do you know how many fucking weed farms we got right now that we need you to work at? Because, yeah. you know, people here won't work at them. We're going to yeah. pay you good wages. We'll, uh, you know, not give a fuck if you're like a refugee. Yeah. You know what, Colorado? You don't sound too bad. Kudos to you. I believe New York is taking some too. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Otherwise, I really haven't heard about anybody else taking. Yeah. Actively trying to take. Uh, I really want to say somebody else might be, but I can't remember. I literally just listened to my usual daily news podcast mm. today, and they interviewed a, a woman who is trying to take in as many Afghani refugees as she possibly can yeah. and get them placed. But I think she's in Colorado. Yeah. Which is why that makes that sounds familiar yeah. to me. It's like every little person in our countries, whether it be the UK or us or anywhere else. We have to clean up the messes that our government keeps making. It's fun. It's, it's a kind, good time. It's kind of like there's this systemic problem where the same shitty like fucking boomers just keep getting elected into the same positions year yeah. after year after year and they just make policies and laws and shit that benefits them and nobody else because they're rich they'll never die yeah even when they get a life-threatening illness that's killing you know people our age who are vaccinated but deny us affordable health care by all means please by all means even though yours is free i don't lord knows i don't need it no but whatever 
Anyway, thanks everybody for listening. <laughs> thanks for listening to our rant about racists and fascists and I think I think and Eric we, Clapton. I think what we really did here was just expose you to who's a real racist in the music industry. And it's yeah. mostly Eric Clapton. It's mostly Eric Clapton yeah. and apparently Rod Stewart. Yeah. Who is still doing Nazi salutes. Rip a fucking Roni, Rod Stewart. <laughs> Damn. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> hope that was an interesting lesson in history, music, and worldwide, world history. And uh, also, don't be a fucking racist. That, too. You know what? That's the big real moral lesson. of the story. Big lesson. Don't be a fucking racist. Yeah. That'd be cool. Thanks. Uh, big if true. <laughs> don't be a racist. Big if true. Don't be a racist. <laughs> oh, thank you all so much for listening. We appreciate you. If you are picking up what we're putting down and you want to check out more episodes, you can go to rockcandypodcast.com and we've got like 170 something over there. So go check it out. It's a lot. It's a lot of us doing this. It is a lot of us doing this. (laughs) But like, yeah, like Ashley said, a few weeks ago, we had polystyrene. That was a good episode. Um, When I talked about specials a couple of years ago, I bring up some of like the economics in Mm -hmm. Great Britain. So and also one of the last carnivals that Rock Against Racism put on in the 70s Mm. headliner was the specials. Of course it was. Mm hmm. Because the specials are special. And also, like, their whole thing was, like, bringing black and white together. Yeah. There's Duh. A, there's a reason why the checkers are black and white and ska people. Yeah. And yet there's racist ska head, head people. Uh, ska heads. It's like skinheads, but they're only doing Skeds. ska. Uh, please feel free to follow us on all the social medias. We got Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Apparently, we can post our episodes to Facebook now. What a time oh, to be yeah. alive. It does it automatically. Yeah. And then sometimes I'll get a notification where it's like, we can't post this because you used a song and that's copyright infringement. And, and then I'm I'll like, be like, eat my dick, Facebook. And, and I say, eat my dick. Don't post it then. <laughs> See if I fucking care, Facebook. Yeah. Please. I don't. Zuckerberg. <laughs> Suck on it. Zuckerberg. Ha. Ah. I'm not the first to make that joke. Nor will you be the last. No, not at no, all. No, no, no. Um, oh, and then you can do Patreon if you want. Um, <laughs> if you want. You if you want, to. you can go to patreon.com slash rockcandypodcast. You can give us money and we will theoretically send you stuff in return. <laughs> I'm looking at you. I know. Wow. I'm so bad. So, so bad. bad. But you do get your boner episodes and we have a special, we have an extra special bonus bonus episode this Ooh, month. Video. Video boner episode. Video boner. (laughs) That's coming out this week. So look out for that, our Mm -hmm. lovely patrons. And thank you so much for donating to us. Uh, And if you want to, you can. And if you don't want to, just keep listening to us. That's cool, too. Also, if you want to, like, drop us a review, you can do that. Mm -hmm. Or whatever. Just listening is cool, too. That's fine. I'm all right with that. Yeah. Well. Do what you want. Yeah. Do what you want. What you want with your wallet. Anyway, yeah, so next week we'll be traveling back to the UK. I can't get enough of that UK. I forgot what we were doing. It's all right. I'll tell you when we're done. All right, cool. (laughs) It's been a week. It's been a week. It's Monday, Lemon. And I... (laughs) It is. It is Monday. It really really is. Yeah. Um, We'll see you next week, kids. (laughs) Until then, party on, Ashley. Party on, Maggie. And party on, you cookies, the kids out there. If you think I'm racist and you know I'm fascist, come on, baby, kick me out. Ow, ow, ow!